in the name of Jesus. Amen. Dear saints of God, of all the names that the Bible gives to death, my favorite is seeing the face of Jesus from Revelation 22, verse 4. How, how wonderful that will be when we draw our last breath, when we close our eyes to sleep the sleep of death, to open them to the, to the smiling face of our dear Lord Jesus and, and to see Him speak the words which He accomplished for us, well done, good and faithful servant. This will simply be wonderful. But there is something that the Bible makes clear about this whole thing when we die to go to be with the Lord Jesus. And that is that we will not be alone there when we stand before our Lord after our last day. We will be surrounded by the Lord's faithful people. And, and I'm looking forward to that just as well. To have a, a little list, in fact, uh, running through my own mind. It kind of adjusts up and down all over all the time but i have a little list that tells me the, the people that i that i want to talk with in the resurrection the people that i'd like to spend time with in heaven i don't think you can call that a bucket list right that's the list of things you're supposed to do before you die but we christians can have a uh, a kick the bucket list <laughs> a list of all the things that we want to do after we die right imagine it to sit there and talk with Peter and Paul and the Virgin Mary, the mother of our Lord, and Abraham and Noah and Adam and Eve and King David and Elijah and the church fathers, those that have gone before us, Irenaeus and Martin Luther, to sit and visit with them. But there is a name on the top of my list, the, 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 the number one person to sit and visit with, and that is John the Baptist. I simply cannot wait to, to, to have the conversation with him. I don't know how it'll go, but to be able to, to think of that afternoon talking with John the Baptist and, and asking him how, how it was when he learned that he was going to be the last prophet or what it was like when he realized that his cousin Jesus was the one that he was to announce, the Messiah. What a man John was from the glimpse that the Scriptures give us into His ministry and personality. He truly was, as Jesus proclaimed Him, the greatest man ever born of woman. Here was a man who could speak clearly, who knew his place, his vocation, who lived out his life according to the will of God. And this will of God, his vocation was indeed a blessed one. John was the last of the prophets the forerunner of the Messiah, the herald of the coming kingdom. John was a man with courage and conviction who preached repentance and forgiveness of sins with uncompromising zeal. And he delivered the Lord's gift of baptism to countless Jewish families who were all coming to be baptized by him in the Jordan River. John even had the great and marvelous privilege of being the one to baptize our Lord Jesus Himself, to anoint Him and place Him into His holy offices of, of the prophet and the priest and the king. But even with this fantastic and high calling that the Lord gave to John, he was always marked with humility. John was a sinner and he knew it. And John knew who his Savior 
was. John knew that he was called not to exalt himself, but simply to point to Jesus. We see this even when when Jesus comes to be baptized by John. John just about refused to do it. I should be baptized by you, and you come to be baptized by me? Jesus had to convince John that it was right and necessary for him to baptize him. John's humility is seen in his preaching. His greatest sermon, and if you don't mind me inserting a little opinion into the sermon here, I, I think that this is the greatest sermon ever preached in the history of the world. John's greatest sermon was simply to point at Jesus and to announce, Behold the Lamb of God who bears the sin of the world. John was not interested in promoting himself. He was always extolling the Lord. He must increase and I must decrease. John knew his place, the lowliness of his high office. And this is especially seen in our gospel text today. In fact, that's what the gospel reading is about. The humble confession of John the Baptist about who he is and who he's not. John 1 verse 19. This is the testimony of John the Baptist. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed, and he did not deny, but he confessed... I'm not the Christ. I don't know how it is for you, but this gospel reading might seem like a strange text to have on the Sunday before Christmas. In the ancient church, this Sunday of the church year was called the Sunday of the Preparation. And that follows not only because this is the last Sunday we have before the great high feast of the Lord's incarnation, but it also flows from the texts that we read, both the Old Testament and the Epistle, as well as the Gospel. The church of the New Testament, that is, all of us, are this week preparing to celebrate the anniversary of the birth of our Lord, His coming into our flesh to bear our sin and die in our place and give us life and salvation. But but preparation is difficult work. You know this, don't you? You know that when a big event is coming, the last few hours before it are the worst. (laughs) They're filled with anxiety, with fear, with things going wrong always, with time being crunched. Preparation is dirty business. And this Sunday has that. It has this character of repentance, of casting out the works of darkness. For the Savior of the world is in our midst, and that changes things. Remember how it was when you were getting ready for a big event. Remember the hours right before your wedding? The chaos? The anxiety? Or or the hours right before the dinner party comes to the house. All the scrambling and picking up and taking care of all of the last minute details. It's madness. You know what I'm talking about, right? That's the dirty work of preparation, of getting ready for things. And you all know it. At least, and this is interesting, at least most of you know what I'm talking about. But some of you don't. If you're a child then you have no idea what I'm talking about. For the child experiences the big event in a totally different way than the adult has it. 
The child doesn't know the scrambling around, getting things ready, trying to, trying to pray, make everything just perfect. The child knows nothing about that. The child simply knows waiting and anticipation and the mounting excitement of the coming event. It, it, try this. After the service this morning, find the child that's sitting close to you and ask them how many days there are until Christmas. They might not be able to count. They might not be even able to talk yet, and yet they'll tell you. <laughs> the child knows this growing, this growing wonder, this growing excitement, and for them, the, the big day is just a, 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 a snowball of joy rolling down the hill towards them. <laughs> now let's take both of these ideas. The, 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 both of these ways to prepare things. The, the, the anxiety and the nervousness of getting everything ready and the joy and the mounting excitement. And, and let's just throw them all in the, in the pot and cook them all together and magnify that feeling tenfold, a hundredfold. And you have, when you do that, a little sense of how the times were when John the Baptist was preaching. The people were expecting the Messiah to burst onto the scene at any moment. They were longing with all of their heart and hoping with every hope and praying with every breath and expecting and preparing for the Messiah to come onto the scene. And when they saw John baptizing and preaching at the Jordan and they went to him and they listened to him and they were baptized by him and many thought that he was the one. That he was the Messiah. There was a rumor grow, going around that this is the one that they had been waiting for and longing for and hoping for and praying for. And that's why some of the Levites came from Jerusalem to ask him who he was. We can understand the temptation that's on John here. Because people expected him to be the Messiah. In fact, they wanted him to be the Messiah. And John could have easily claimed the title for himself. If he would have done that, John could have had anything that he wanted in the world. He could have had riches and fame. He could have had armies of men following him. He could have had palaces and soft clothing and fine food and followers and servants and all of this. This text shows us that John in the wilderness is being tempted to claim for himself the title of Christ. But John did not succumb to this temptation. He knew that the Lord had appointed for him clothes, not soft, but camel's hair. And the Lord had given him to feast, not on fine food, but on locusts and honey. John knew that he was not sent to be a ruler or a prince among men, but a servant, unworthy even to untie the sandal strap of his Lord Jesus. And he says with simple voice that he is the one in the wilderness crying, make straight the way of the Lord. The Messiah is coming. Salvation is drawing near. John knew, perhaps more than any other man ever to live, the temptation to take upon himself the title of Christ, the Savior, but he did not. He stood and made the good confession, the solid confession, that he is not the Christ. This temptation, although not with the same way that it faced John, 
this temptation also comes to us. And, and here's how this gospel text is a blessing to us as we prepare for the feast of Christmas. None of us, I'm sure, are tempted to claim that we are Jesus, that we are the Son of God, that we are the Messiah who is to come into the world. We don't have that temptation. But the temptation comes to us in this way. We want to be our own Savior. We want to rescue ourselves from sin. We want our own efforts or our own goodness to count towards our salvation. Do you see that? As soon as we make ourselves or something about us, who we are or what we've done, as soon as we make that part of the salvation equation, then you have claimed to be Christ the Savior. Maybe not the Savior of the world, but the Savior of yourself. And you have stolen that honor and glory from Jesus. This temptation faces us on a daily basis to trust ourselves our works, or our efforts instead of trusting Jesus. Who are you? John teaches us how to answer the question to write, how to answer it aright, how to confess and not deny but confess that we are not the Christ. We are not saviors. We are not the one who died for our own sins, but there is another who does that. Another! Another who dies for me. Another who suffers in my place. Another one who bears all my sins and the wrath of God that I have deserved. There is another who is devoured by the devil in my place. Another one who destroys the devil for me. Another one who saves me and forgives me and has his own, has me as his own dear child and friend. And that one is Jesus. So John teaches us to make the good confession of Christ. Dear saints, may God grant you His Holy Spirit. May He create in you the humility and the faith of John the Baptist that we would cling to our Savior Jesus Christ by faith, confessing not ourselves but Him until that last day when He grants you to see Him face to face. May it be so among us. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.